I'm Melissa Currents. And I'm Amy Yersted. And we welcome you to the sixth episode of the What Would Alice Paul Do podcast. This podcast is about demystifying what it means to be a volunteer with the League of Women Voters today. In episode five, we completed the first episode about fundraising and the League of Women Voters, especially the importance of giving to the League as a board member. Be sure to check out this first part of a two-part series on alicepaulpodcast.com or subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. So in this episode, episode six, we're going to be talking about raising funds for your league projects, specifically the how-tos of how to make it rain money. And today we're also excited to share that we have a special guest with us, my friend and fellow colleague from the national board, Kim Loth. I think people are really excited about rolling up their sleeves and bringing some money to their local league projects. For our Deeds Not Words segment, join the League of Women Voters to make change. Money, 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 money. Money. (laughs) In the interest of time, we're going to focus today's talk on a couple of themes. Engaging supporters, keep the giving going, and special events. And we're going to hear Kim share her Super Ask events. And she has the how-tos, and we're delighted to hear them. So you're going to be really excited about how she has this great example of how you can bring some money to your organization. We have Kim Loth with us from the National League of Women Voters Board. Welcome, Kim. Hi, guys. It's really great to be with you. Uh, I just have to say that Kim and I, we actually have only known each other for, what, one one year? One year, yeah. Kim is like, she's awesome. When we are at council or any of the meetings, she's just like this, like this light. <laughs> so she just, I don't know. She always have so many great things. You're always smiling and just, uh, you just make everybody feel so welcome. So I'm, I'm super excited that you're going to be here. And I just got to say that on Facebook, we've had a couple of shout outs. People are super like your home girls are like, right. we, we can't believe it. This is so great. So thanks for the <laughs> feedback for one. Um, and then thanks, Kim, for being our guinea pig, our first guest. On. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm super excited. I love to talk about fundraising and, and to have this opportunity to let your audience who really want to fund their mission hear about it. I'm, you know, what could be better than this? And we all need some help with the fundraising. So we have a guru. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Let's, uh, we want to know about you. Um, I'm based here in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm a member of the Knoxville, Knox County League and have been also on the state of Tennessee um, League Board before joining the National Board last year. Um, when I'm not doing League stuff, um, I run my own nonprofit consultancy, Kim Loth Consulting, where I take the 25 years of experience I've had doing pretty much every job you can do in a nonprofit organization <laughs> and put it to use helping nonprofit organizations build their capacity, whether it's through board development or strategic planning, but probably most often through um, strategic fundraising initiatives that are really donor-centric and mission-focused. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're really lucky to have you well, um, helping us with all, and using your expertise. Well, I, I'm really lucky to be able to be engaged at this level with the National League, and, and I chair the um, development committee for the National Board, and I'm also on the executive committee. And the 
national organization is really committed to resourcing local and state leagues and, and anybody in the league that really wants to have the tools they need to fundraise. And Kate Kennedy is our new chief development officer. I think she's been in her role about six months. Um, she's awesome and she's on staff. And mm -hmm. Kate is building this listserv at the national level. So anybody that wants to be part of this listserv and get information about league fundraising can email Kate at kkennedy at lwv.org and be put on that listserv. And we'll put a link to Kate's email so that you can have it as well. So I guess we want to ask you, since we have a fundraising guru with us, which doesn't happen every day, how does your fundraising guru news help your league work? You know, it's it's really interesting. And you you touched on this on, on your first part of the two-part fundraising podcast. You, you touched a little bit on the fact that we kind of have this culture in league land that's kind of, well, I give my time, so I haven't really thought about giving my money. Across the, the United States, generally speaking, um, volunteers are often the greatest source of philanthropic income, right? Because if your boots on the ground and part of the work, then you should know pretty much better than anybody else how important it is and how efficiently and effectively the league does it. But the league has just never really developed that culture and I think the tide is turning. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, some of the things that I was able to do at the, at the state and local level to help make our fundraising more efficient, particularly helping with the appeal letter that came out from the state board, those kind of resources really help us change how we think about fundraising. You know, you guys mm -hmm. touched on it also in your previous podcast about how uncomfortable people can be with fundraising. And the reality is that we were all taught not to ask for money. So it it does feel a little uncomfortable to us, but you know, one of the things I always say is that nonprofits don't have needs, communities have needs that nonprofits fill. And we mm -hmm. need to be thinking mm -hmm. about what needs the league is meeting in your community, in your state, in our nation, where we now know that our democracy is under attack. And those things are worthy of community investment. Super exciting to be fundraising for this great work. What was your first ask like? It, it's really funny because my mom says that I was born to be a fundraiser. Um, you know, I used to go door to door collecting for March of Dimes, and, and I'm sure this was way older than, than you guys, but um, they used to send a card in the mail with slots for dimes, and you would collect dimes from your neighborhood and send it into the March of Dimes and that's how the name was. But when I was five or six years old I, I was doing things like collecting from the March of Dimes or holding a backyard carnival for Ronald McDonald House. The interesting yeah. thing about all that was that I never knew that nonprofit work or fundraising was a profession. So I grew up and went to work in newspaper ad sales and kind of fell into the fundraising piece. I've been able to get past some of the discomfort in asking because I've always been able to focus on the work and, and the good work of the organization. But, you know, sometimes it is hard. The biggest challenge for most people is not necessarily asking, but asking for money rather than asking to buy a ticket or something like that. Asking for money. And one of the things that we always recommend as kind of a best practice, and that is asking for a specific amount. The asking for a specific amount often can hang people up. Once you've practiced it a few times, that it's pretty easy. And 
you know, we hope that we can equip people with some of the tools they need to get more comfortable with it. So, Kim, I, I heard that you presented at National Council, and Amy was telling me about it. Um, and we wanted to ask you, um, I think you talked about an ask event. Let me give you a little background about why I feel like this is a great fundraising methodology for the league. You know, when you're deciding what you're going to do to raise money, you have to think about several different variables. One of them is the cost per dollar raised. What does it cost to raise the money? Because if you're sending out a letter or doing a silent auction or whatever you're doing, there's costs attached. And so you always want to keep those costs very reasonable. And so this event does that. It's a very reasonably priced event, which makes your return on investment better. The other thing that you need to do, especially when you're looking at special events, is ask yourself, does this event give me the opportunity to highlight our mission? Because the reality is a lot of events don't do that. You know, people make some great money sometimes doing a golf tournament, and then the players leave and they may not even know what cause they were there helping because they were there because they wanted to golf. And the way that that kind of event is set up, it's not always easy to really highlight your mission. Um, Just like in business where it's much easier to retain a customer than to get a new one, in the nonprofit world, it's much easier to keep a donor than get a new one. So we want to connect people to our mission and you guys did a great job talking about this in the last podcast and the donor pyramid and all that and engage them with us and we do that by giving them information about the mission and this event does that really really well the ask event itself is really simple it has three goals Um, the first one is to celebrate our contributions to the greater community and perhaps we can either even honor someone who's been a supporter of the league or has done league work or supports like values and give them a special award. Giving an award like that can help make this an annual event that people begin to look forward to. The second goal is to inform key members of the community about our work, and that's that mission piece. Make sure that people who may not know exactly what we're about get to hear about us, and do that in a creative way, not just you know listening to one dry speech after another. And the, the final goal is to raise money and fund our work and engage new donors. So this is an ask event. Attendees are not going to buy a ticket. Um, They're going to be invited to attend by a table host. Um, Neither the host or the attendee is charged to attend, but an ask takes place at the event and everyone is given the opportunity to make a donation. So there are three keys to making this event a success. And the first one is getting the right table hosts. The hosts need to be committed to inviting people who need to know about our work and who are willing to make a donation that day. And we wanna give the table hosts the tools they need to make sure that they've asked folks in a way so that they come prepared to make a gift. The next key to success is getting the tables filled. We need to have our space filled with folks who are prepared to make a donation. And so we need to support our table hosts in making that happen. And then the third key is getting the right person to make the ask. The asker needs to be someone who's well-known and credible and someone who's able to inspire others to join them in giving. So basically, you can do this most often as a breakfast or lunch. Breakfast is usually less expensive. You line up table hosts based on your venue. Typically, you know, you're filling between 10 
to 20 tables of 10, but again, it just depends on your venue. And getting those table hosts signed up and their only job is to fill those tables and make sure that people come, know they're coming to hear about the work of the league and that they're gonna be given the opportunity to invest in it. The day of the event becomes really simple. Your guests come and check in, you have a, a brief program, you might show a video of great things happening with your league, give a, a, a short speech or have someone speak about the history or work of the league. Again, you want to keep this short and sweet. And then if you're giving an award, you want to do that. And then you want to have your person who's the asker come up and say very directly that, you know, you were invited here to hear about this work. We're sure you th you're th going to join us and think it's important. And we're going to give you the opportunity to make a gift. At that time, the table hosts pass out pledge cards and envelopes, and people have some time before they leave to complete that information and turn it back into the person that invited them. It's really simple and straightforward. If you want to take it up a notch, you can have folks with credit card readers there if someone wants to scan their card and make a donation right there. What I'm seeing from this event here in my area, and, and areas do have some differences, but what I'm seeing in my area is that for a first time event of this style of asking, you know, we're seeing an average gift of about $100. So it's not uncommon for the first year around for an organization to make seventeen dollars or $20,000 in an hour. Hmm, that's so, amazing. <laughs> so you, you can have some really substantial impact in a short amount of time. But you'll notice I yeah. said in an hour, that is one of the one of the aha moments that I've learned yeah. over doing this for a few years. And that is you have to create your program so that you're done in 45 minutes so you can give people time to contemplate and turn their gift in and not feel rushed and still get out five or 10 minutes early. Um, you know, typically you do this on a work day, you get people in and out a little early, they feel like you've given them a gift. They can get on with their day. We've put together a toolkit for the ask event and Kate is working on kind of fine-tuning it now at the national office so again um, if you email Kate and uh, Amy's gonna have the email mm -hmm. address in the notes she can send that out to you when it's finished as well and you'll have kind of a play-by-play -play instructions on how to pull this off Kim gave us this at council and you should have seen the, everybody's look on their face it was like I think everybody just felt like wow this doesn't sound so hard. I could like I've been spending years putting on these elaborate events to only like make maybe five hundred dollars at the end of it and being feeling totally disappointed. And this doesn't seem hard. And I and the oper the possibility to make fifteen twenty grand in an hour is just. I mean, everybody was so happy. <laughs> like it was amazing. I had like four pages of notes. It was in, it was just oh my gosh. I was like I want to try this in my own area. Like. I, I think I could do it. Like, I really think that I could use my apartment. Uh, we have a club room, and I think we could pull this off. I'm super excited about it. I, I love Go this ahead. model. And I, you know, I think that, again, that the thing that everybody needs to remember is you need to have a plan for what you're going to do with these folks once they make their first gift. You know, how are we going to steward them and make sure that they stay connected to us? 
And mm-hmm. one of the first things you need to do to steward them is everybody who attends needs to get an email or even better yet, a postcard or a letter thanking them for attending and telling them how much money was raised at the event. And if you can do that really quickly, then people immediately realize that they were part of something really special. And that, of course, is in addition to their thank you letter that you need to send for their gift. Yeah, if you if you contributed a hundred dollars and then you got an email or a postcard saying thank you for you know helping us reach you know fifteen thousand dollars and you're like wow that was a really successful event and I helped out so this is great <laughs> you have to take the leap of faith at first that this will work out and then kind of you'll get your momentum going is that what you've been seeing absolutely um, and I've seen nonprofit organizations that have been doing this now for you know ten or fifteen years this kind of model. And they started, you know, the first year making $10,000 and now they're making $100,000. You know, wow. if, you, if you do this correctly, this becomes one of those things where people, they want to show up every year or they want to be included. You know, they want to make sure that they're invited because this isn't an open invitation thing. It's not like you, you know, put it up on your Facebook page and anybody can come. They need to be invited by someone. Being a table host at an event like this is a lot of fun because you can think through who you're going to invite and who you'd like to meet. This person wants to meet this person and, you know, kind of how you build your table of cool people. So it becomes a, re- a really kind of self-fulfilling thing year after year. Yeah. And so I remember at the at council, one of the keys that you said to this was that, that the table host really comes up with a list of 30 because they're actually going to probably have several people say no but you got to have 10 people who are committed to coming and that's partly what makes this a big success right yeah you're exactly right one of the things that we spell out in detail in the in the toolkit is here's some language for the email that you can send to the table hosts after they've agreed to do it and it tells them it's step-by-step instructions, you know, make a list of 30 people, invite the first 10 using the language below, and we give them email language to use. And then as people decline, you know, invite the next person on your list. One last question of you. And so I want to hear if you have any fundraising activity that you just love to do, no matter how little it makes or how much, what are you just like, I love doing this fundraising event. The special event that I focus on is is this model because I think it really gives you the biggest bang. I think there are certainly opportunities out there for leagues to do an annual direct mail piece. You know, there was a some churn a few years ago that direct mail was dead and, and that has proven to be not the case. As a matter of fact, people, since people are getting a little less in the mail, they're paying more attention, I think, to the stuff they do get. You know, sending a, a letter in the mail can be super effective as long as you do a few things right. And, and the main thing is have it personally addressed to the person and, and have dear Kim or, you know, have the person's name. If you're going to send out a dear friend, save your stamp. Um, you know, if you don't know someone well enough to use their name when you ask them for money, you shouldn't be asking. So let's, you know, I think that that's a big opportunity. But, you know, we're seeing so many really creative things now with, with crowdfunding and email fundraising and Facebook fundraising. There's the sky's kind of the limit when it mm. comes to opportunities. We're seeing a huge interest in the league right now, and we have 
of course, since the election. And people want to take action. And one of the ways that people take action is by investing. And so um, we really need to just find way after way to give them the opportunities to do that. Well, thanks, Kim. This has been very helpful. I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners that are going to be thinking through how can they, um, you know, take this model, this ask event model and apply it to their league. So if you have a question for Kim or if you have a comment, please reach out to us. Find us on our website at Alice Paul Podcast. You can also email us at alicepaulpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll also, like Kim had said, we'll put Kate Kennedy's email in our notes so that if you want to get that toolkit that they're going to bring out, the Ask event, and they're going to lay it out, all the instructions for you to make it easy, Uh, You just have to contact Kate, and she will hook you up. Well, thanks so much, Kim. Thanks for making the time for us and and spreading some of your guru-ness on us because we (laughs) all need to help make it rain all over. Well, you know, any place I can be a guru, I guess, huh? Uh, I I enjoyed it, guys. Thanks so much. And thank you for keeping the word out about the work of the league and what you're doing. It's really fabulous. I have done a direct mail piece for my local league. Amy, have you done a direct mail piece for your league? I di- well, I did the one in Michigan, uh, and I've actually my local league that I'm at now. I've encouraged them to also do one. So yeah, it was it's a neat exp- it's it's really neat. I actually really enjoyed it. And when you're writing your direct mail letter, there are some tips that you want to keep in mind, including who you're writing, who's your audience when you're writing the letter. One tip that I have is if you want to write one letter for your league members and then another letter for community members, because they might have different points of view and. And might give to the league for different reasons. One of the things that I also, I, lots of pictures. I like when you get a letter, you want to have it very personable. So you want to have pictures of past events that happen with happy people, not just people eating food, people doing work. So, you know, voter registration drive with young people actually, you know, registering to vote mm-hmm. are going to make, you know, when they open up that letter and they see some cool pictures, it's going to already draw them in to what you have mm-hmm. that's written. And you want to tell a story if you can. So one uh, direct mail letter that we did in my local league is we had a young member talk about why she joined the league and we sprinkled the quotes within the letter and we got a pretty good response from that um, appeal. So one of the things I, I remember going to a convention or council several years ago and we had a development person on staff who she gave a lot of great, actually, Melissa, you and I were sitting next to each other, I think, (laughs) (laughs) like writing down notes like super fast as she was writing because everything she was saying was like golden. It was. And um, so one of a couple of things I remember that have stuck out my mind forever is one, there should be lots of you and not many eyes or me. So when you're writing the letter, it should be about how the person you're writing to can make a difference. Um, not about like we need money for you know paper and we need money for this that and the other. You want to talk about how they their contribution really is going to make a difference in your democracy in your community. You're going to have more voter registration tables happening. Um, so not the structural stuff. And then some of the other things I remember is that you definitely want to have a PS, even though those seem like old school. It's really important to have a PS, and if you can handwrite that PS, even better. Mm-hmm. So. One of the recent things that Kim actually has said at council 
is that if you can have like, I think she said this, you can have a signing party. So you can get your board together, have some bottles of wine or some fancy tea, and then everybody just goes around and signs these letters, you know, writes a little PS, make it a lot more personable. So, um, I mean, if can you imagine getting a letter from an organization and it's got every board member's signature on there and a handwritten P- PS saying, you know, thank you for all of, you know, your commitment to this organization, you know, your money is going a long way. It, it would really, I think, make a huge impact. Well, it would be very memorable because mm-hmm. how many other letters would you do you get mm-hmm. in that way? You don't. Like, that's no. very unusual. So another thing that this person had said at that convention or council years ago was that she recommended that you collect other organizations' letters. So just have a file of these other letters and to kind of study their writing styles and, you know, what words are they using? What phrases are they using to get your attention and to bring you in? And, you know, the more you'll read, you'll be able to identify the good ones from the bad ones and then try to pick up some of that language and roll that into your own appeal letter. You want to make it as easy for the donor to respond as possible. So you want to consider adding an envelope to the letter so they can just put their check in and mail it right back to you. Yep. Or even have an opportunity for a credit card. If they could just give you a credit card number, uh, that's even better. And I also have heard several times now that you don't need to put a stamped envelope in. You can just put an envelope with the address where it's going to go. Uh, a lot of people, especially I, I personally like to add my own stamp because I use Wonder Woman stamps when possible. <laughs> so don't take my stamp spot. Right. <laughs> and then make sure that if you can to handwrite the address, because uh, then people are more likely to open the envelope if it looks like somebody actually wrote it, as opposed to if it looked like it came straight from, you know, a printer and it was generic and has no right. meaning behind it. Right. A lot of times when you're doing appeal letters, there's a conversation of should you do like bulk mail versus a stamped letter? If you can do stamped letter, that would, it doesn't look like junk mail. Whenever you get, uh, you know, any money in the mail, make sure that you have a quick turnaround to say thank you. So within three days, you want to have a handwritten note if possible. Again, all these personal touches will make, makes a big difference. And this is part of the whole cultivating your donors and, you know, bringing them in and creating those relationships. So make a, make that letter within three days or and even a phone call if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to grow your list for your letter, you know, you can ask former board members or current board members to share names with you. When I did in the past do an appeal letter, this was up in when I was in Michigan in the league. I read all these books now and I'm kicking myself because sometimes you just make mistakes and and I've made a lot of mistakes in my time. So we we put our letter out and we did this handwritten thing because, you know, convention's so awesome and it gave me this wisdom and I thought we were just going to roll in the dough after this. No, we didn't. We did not at all. And I think part of the problem was it was our first time ever doing this was one and two we didn't try it again um, while I was while we were stationed up there, and so I, I think had we tried it again, we would have made more. So I think something to remember is that just to, just because it didn't work the first time doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to work again. You know, look where what happened, see where you need to make some modifications, um, and then and try again. You know, mm-hmm. even ask the donors, even or those p- prospective donors, you know, your current donors, ask them, you know, I noticed that you didn't donate this time. You know, is there some for some reason did you not, you know, let me know so that I can change my message. And I think Kim had mentioned this about the thank you letters to donors. Um, so if you give with a tax deductible gift, you have a legal obligation to give them a letter that they can use for their tax return. So you want to make sure that 
if you have a 501c3 that you're getting donations through, that um, the law says you have to give the donor letters to the donors by the end of January of the next year. So I wouldn't recommend waiting that long, especially if they've given earlier in the year. If they give in May, you want to turn that around like we're saying. When they have donated and you're doing that thank you and you're you know giving that receipt to them that you put in there, you know, Sally donated 100 So you want to say thank you so much, Sally, for your commitment or your gift of $100. Really put the... Uh, the amount in there. One, they're going to want to know for their tax reasons. And two, you know, they might hold on to this receipt again for a year and this will help them know where they gave last year. And, and mm-hmm. it's just a nice thing to do. Another thing we need to talk about though is how often, this was a question that came up in councils, how often should you send appeal letters? I think it is going to be different for the individual league, but I can tell you some of the experience that I have. So in my league, we do a summer ask. You always want to do a year end ask because that's when people are thinking about those tax deductible gifts. And so that's when um, a lot of people are thinking about, oh, okay, I want to give to charity, so I want to make sure that I get it in before the year end. With the membership renewals, members will give gifts on top of their dues renewal. So that's an opportunity to ask. And then anytime you're doing a voter guide, you want to think about putting in a coupon to ask the community to donate to your league for your service. So we have definitely you want to ask at the end of the year. Yes. Because everybody's sending in their money then because they want their income tax deductions. You also want to do it for sure at your membership renewal. So when we do membership renewals around June, July time is when we're sending our reminders out. So put one in there. So that's two alone appeal letters maybe a third one when you're doing your voter guide so if you're you know doing it so usually voter cards go out in the fall though so do you want to do it back to back yeah we do so we do um like our voter guide come out in october so it'd be early october but that's the opportunity for the community to give to you and, and growing your donor list. So what we do in my league is we um, print up our voter guides. And if you're a member of our league, you get a voter guide in the mail. And then we also have a community list. And so we, so in the mail, you'll get a, a voter guide and then a letter on top of that asking for a gift. So it's kind of like a targeted list. Yeah. You think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like cert- at certain times of the year, you might send it to this list. And other times of the year, you might send it to this list. And so really, over the course of the year, you might have like six appeal letters going out, but these possibly are to different lists. And, and sometimes the same, you know, they're doing two lists at one appeal mail. You want to have a strong committee, I would say, because they're going to be very busy writing awesome letters and <laughs> handwriting PSs and drinking wine. So they're having a good time. Just like Kim was saying, people aren't getting as much mail anymore. And so these appeal letters really are making a mark. I don't get that much mail personally. Mm-hmm. And so if I got something in the mail from the League of Women Voters, I definitely open it. Um, so it's something to keep in mind as we're getting less and less mail, that those appeal letters really do make an impact, especially when I don't get something for three days and all suddenly I get a letter. Like, I'm actually excited now when I get mail. Structured around um, national holidays. So Women's History Month. Women's Equality Day. That's And then you have the league's birthday in February, of course. Mm-hmm. And then your own local league's birthday. <laughs> Another thing that we want to talk about is crowdsourcing. And we want to talk about this one because it's kind of new, especially using online crowdsourcing. GoFundMe, can you can do tax deductible gifts through um, that platform. Um, what's really great about crowdsourcing is um, it's kind of in a way the that ask event, but in a, in a social media landscape. It's using your connections and asking your connections to share it with their social media. Your reach goes farther. So have you had any experience 
with crowdsourcing online? My local league, we did a GoFundMe page and um, we put the link in our voter guide. So in our voter guide, we had the, the URL and then we also had a QR code so people could just donate right away. So to engage people that maybe wouldn't think of sending you a check, but they might send you $10. Like if you gave $25, you were a voting superstar and you got a, a sticker. People might want to feel like they are a democracy rock star. So they might give out a hundred dollars if you and you could you could give them a mug or something special from your league to thank them giving at certain levels. I didn't do um, a crowd like a GoFundMe, but I did participate in something. It had been a year and a half since I had been back home in Michigan. The community was putting up murals and they were doing a GoFundMe. And if you rate, you know, if you donated a certain amount of money, you got a gift, just as you're saying. And I was homesick. And so I dropped a hundred bucks to get a mug that said Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan on right. it. And I helped put up some murals, you know, for people like me who live move around. And I think lots of people are like me where we're very nomadic um we get homesick and so the opportunity to you know help our former community do something mm. great i think is uh is you know it's something to think about when you're raising money don't forget to ask those people who have moved away like right. me. <laughs> keep keep them on your mailing list one of the things that i i personally tried recently and a couple months ago was i used facebook they recently started like you can actually do fundraising for a group on facebook and so i wanted to just try it out and see how how easy it was it was ridiculously easy i opened i just it has like a little banner it says fit fundraising for facebook i opened it up i looked for organizations that i'm interested in i found league of women voters education fund because they were all all of the the organizations that facebook were showcasing on this were 501c3 organizations so a 501c4 would not be on this you put your own timeline in there so i said like you know, two weeks. And then this was my goal. I can't remember what the goal was right now, but here's my goal. And then I just start inviting people to join in my fundraiser. And so I think it probably just goes into their feed. And then I, as soon as somebody would say something or, you know, hey, this is great, or they donate even $5, I'd comment back and say, thank you so much. So I had that immediate response back to them. And then they could share it out to other people. And I tried to keep them engaged every single day by posting new things. Actually, if I remember correctly, Melissa donated to my cause. <laughs> I did, yeah. And you did comment right away and it did make me feel like you noticed and it made me Aww. feel good. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for donating yeah. for my guinea pig project. That was awesome. What was also cool is that there was even strangers on there who donated. Some Somebody donated, I think, I, I don't know what his name was, maybe Alex or somebody. I don't know, I don't remember who this person was. Uh, he may, he, maybe we crossed each other's paths, but he gave the league five bucks. And so I'm like, that is super cool. And then another one of my friends up in Portland, I have been working on him to join the league for years. He he hasn't joined the league yet, but he did give us a lot of money and that was fantastic. So he loves what we do. He thinks what we're doing is really important. Just joining the league is not his thing at this time and that's okay. He wants to donate. So we'll yeah. take it. So the fundraising on Facebook, I, and, you know, to be honest, I didn't bring in a ton of money. I think we made $395 in mm. the week or two that I put it out. You know, it was worth a try. It was super fun. It was very easy. I, I would totally do it again. There's some other websites too that we haven't mentioned but there's fundraise.com causevox fundly razu start some good and we will put these uh, links if you want to check them out on our um, website they're very easy
easy. You could put them on your your website, your own website. You could put them, hook them up to your own Facebook um, if you guys are trying to raise money. And I think it's it's really good, especially if you have a passion project yes. and you mm-hmm. attach these links to your passion project. Like we are raising money for VoteForOne.org. Those voter guides are so important, you know, right now during these elections. You know, please help us raise some money for it. And then you would give out the link to our next segment, which is with the the cool name of the Good Idea Fairies. We like to. <laughs> I'm calling this the Good Idea Fairies because I think I've been called the Good Idea Fairy many, many times in league. I have no so I have doubt. all these, <laughs> I have all these random ideas, and um, the good thing is I usually try them. So I'm not like a just you know coming up with good ideas and not doing anything about it. So right. I do follow through. So we wanted to throw some ideas out for all you who are thinking about trying to raise some money for your projects and for your local league. So Kim gave us the great one about the Ask event, and she, you know she laid it out super simple. We've also thrown out fundraising with Facebook, crowdsourcing, you know, GoFundMe campaign. Some other ones would be, well, we also talked about the appeal letter. So that's very important. And you can put, you know, six, you can mail six of those a year if you wanted and and be okay. A few others that we want to talk about. Melissa, jump in here anytime. One idea is the donation box. And I've seen this happen um, at an event where they'll have a donation box at the back of the room. And so people write checks as they leave. If you have Mm -hmm. an event, if it's not quite the ask event, but you still want to um, collect donations on the spot. You can buy a donation box that's giant and clear and plastic. And so you can have that thing super visible, put it right next to your food. And so that people feel guilty as hell when they're picking up that brownie, they got to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to have someone watch it or lock it down, right? The box that I'm talking about is, um, it's, I mean, it's a little pricey. I think it's like 60 bucks or something. And nobody's going to be taking that thing because it is giant right. <laughs> and it's clear. So they'll, they'll see. I We made one when I was in Michigan, we made a homemade one. And you can't see how much is in it. So then you're like, ah, I'll put a dollar. It's no big deal. But I think if you can, if you can spring for the big clear one, then everybody knows, you know, some peer pressure, especially when you're reaching for that brownie. And you, and you think about like at a um, museum, that's what they have. They have a clear box and people put dollar bills in or, you know, you could do something like that. Take that idea. So another one is film and food. You know, that's super easy. People want to see a movie, get some food, have a date night. Trivia night. I personally did this one in Michigan, and it was outstanding. Everybody thinks that they know everything. And trivia is, at least here on the East Coast, and as well as up in the the Great Lakes area, they have like these trivia circuits. And they just bounce around from, you know, pub to pub playing trivia. So if you, your organization can get part, be part of that circuit, even better. You know, you could charge five, 15, $20 a head. I know one league up in Michigan, they they started this. We took the idea and made it our own. I want to say they charge $25 a person, and then that was $100 a team, and then you play trivia. And they worked with a country club, and I think they only paid the country club a couple dollars a head for chips and sodas, and then the league got to take in the rest of the money, and it was a blast. My personal league, what we did with our trivia is we made it all – citizenship stuff so it was like a citizenship test it's like civics trivia um it's a whodunit but it's like all you know american presidents and whatnot so it was i mean it was fun you're like seriously doing all this trivia stuff and making money at the same time melissa you did t-shirts mm-hmm. i know because i bought some yep so we worked with a um, vendor on etsy and mm-hmm. um asked them if they would give um Part of our, their proceeds from um, it were they were it was called uh, fourth wave feminism. Yep. Um, 
t-shirts and so they're feminist t-shirts and so we got a percentage during the month of february as part of the league's birthday and i just reached out to them on etsy and they were like totally down with it yeah they're an awesome business too i uh, i bought like what three four yeah. of those shirts and i get compliments on them still even though they look they look bad because i've worn them so much but I, I still love them they're awesome so that's another thing is to partner up with a business or even create your own there's all these great uh online groups um companies now that'll help you with printing i know booster is one of that's a locally one local based in virginia booster and so you can get league shirts created and then you know a couple of dollars per shirt goes back to your league organization and so um so that's another one plus if everybody looks the same and you're at these voter registration drives uh, or doing you know advocacy on the hill then and you all look the same you're going to really send out a strong message and it also goes great with your publicity and your visibility so you know, it all kind of ties back together. Holiday party with lots of follow-up. So locally, we had actually a holiday party last year and it was in someone's home. It's like a local, local famous person and it was a gorgeous home and it was a really great event and the local league members brought in all this wonderful food and it was, and they had a silent auction um, and it was fantastic. And then everybody was kind of beating themselves up at the end because we didn't make very much money. But I think it's really important to remember that you oftentimes you don't make the money at the event. It's the follow-up is when you actually make the money. All those relationships, you know, we had a great opportunity to talk about the league and our mission work and, and we use that opportunity and everybody felt really inspired and empowered by the work of the league. And, you know, we had a lot more members after that event, but we didn't make much money. So what you do is now, you know, within a week, two weeks, you start calling people and say, you know, I noticed that you came to our event. How did you like it? And get to know those people. And now we're going to start working them on the that pyramid that mm-hmm. Melissa talked about in the last episode. And so, we, you know, start them at that low rung and now we're going to bring them up. And this is a great time to, you know, to build that. Like I said before, the passion projects, raising money specifically for topics, you know, issues that you're working on. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have like a massive campaign going in Ohio about redistricting. And so having a passion project money that's devoted to the redistricting um, reform efforts is right. um, another one. <laughs> this one sounds lame, but <laughs> <laughs> birthday change. I I was having birthday, <laughs> and I told all my friends on Facebook and and outside of Facebook and word you know by mouth. I uh, told them to come and meet me at this location. I think it was like you know a bar or something. I said bring all the change that you have laying around the house because it's my birthday and don't buy me presents, don't buy me drinks. Just bring your change and we're I want you to make change with your change. Wow. And that was the theme of my birthday. And I think at the end of the at the end of the night I might have made. 150 bucks uh, on birthday change that I could donate back. And I told everybody this money is going to the League of Women Voters. And so it was a really easy way for one person to make a contribution using all of my friends. And, you know, they could clean out underneath their couches. The local league next door to my local league, the Arlington League, they make a considerable amount of money doing homeowners associations. And so they moderate forums and do the election process for how for homeowners associations. And so I don't know how that works. Um, it sounds really awesome. And I think I want to say they make at least two grand off of this. And so and it's something that those organizations, they need it. So they they need help with, you know, they want a fair, legitimate election. They, so they ask the league to do it. So if you have homeowners associations in your community or any other association that has a slate with election of officers and bylaws and whatnot, you might consider 
ask, you know, asking them, say the league, we've got experts, we can help you with that. And uh, my local league does this for unions, and also for um, community councils, like where um, there's an election happening um, um, in that neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we make a significant amount of money. It's basically um, putting your Robert's Rules of Order skills to, to work. I actually have my low level Robert's Rules of Order certif- certification done. Yeah, so you could you could go out and do it. <laughs> yeah, I need to polish that up a little bit. <laughs> Let's see here. Initiative referendum presentations to businesses and organizations. I think you just touched on this a bit ago, but um, we did this in Oregon, and it was hugely successful. Organize- and, you know, the thing is, once you get these things, these programs started, and people in the community recognize that you have these skill sets, um, They'll, they'll come start calling to you. I remember in 2008 election, I just had my first kid. So I'm like overwhelmed with being a new mom. And I am the speaker bureau coordinator. So basically, I keep the list of all these organizations. And I have a list of volunteers who are willing to go to organizations. And those organizations pay the league for us to send volunteers to them so they can do presentations on ballot initiatives and referendums. And it's a huge success and organizations and businesses truly appreciate it. And we make some money and our volunteers feel really awesome because they're subject matter experts. Yeah, it's like it just all around is a wonderful thing. So I was a little overwhelmed as a new mom. But at the end of it, I felt like, you know, that it was awesome. I, mm-hmm. I got through it. And um, I'm glad I had that opportunity mm-hmm. to challenge myself like that. Another idea is having a house party. And I've done this where um, I am friends with someone who sells jewelry. And so I invited my friends over that were connected with the league. And we got 20% of all the sales from the jewelry party that I hosted and we made about I want to say $400 oh wow that's cool all right we're almost done with our good idea fairy list here another one is match so oftentimes you'll hear on the radio like NPR and others they're like if you donate you know we have a match and so for every $500 it actually turns into a thousand dollars people don't think that actually makes a difference but actually it really does make a huge difference people do want to you know have that extra $500 attached to their 500 or you know or you know your five dollars turned into to $10. If you can find someone that can help match everybody or find another organization or even your board, I've heard of a board putting their money together and they said they'll match, you know, whatever contributions come. And so there's different creative ways to do it. Um, But yeah, so a match is another good way to bring in some more money. It'd be good for working with a major donor too. Like you mm-hmm. could partner with a major donor and say, hey, you know, if we raise this much, can you match this? And then like Kim was saying, you're having a specific ask, you know, a spe- specific amount of money that you're asking for. Mm, so yeah. Another one is a phone-a-thon. This reminds me of like shows from, I don't know, the 80s or something where they have people on the phone and you... Have In the televised. background, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've actually done a phone-a-thon. Have you done a phone-a-thon? No, I oh, have yeah. not, but I read about it. Yeah. So it, it's actually pretty fun. I would say this is how I got my first taste of fundraising with the league so when I was a young lass in the league uh, I volunteered for our phone-a-thon and it was really cool because you call members um, and community supporters to talk about the league and you know they tell you right you know um, you 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 get a script but um, most of the time people are really friendly and what they just pledged to send money and then you would send them a letter with the envelope and say Mm -hmm. thank you for pledging you know a hundred dollars here's your envelope to you know send um, us the money and we thank you so wow. you, you do that as part of the phonathon. so when you know I call Amy and Amy tells me I just handwrite right there and then I put it right in the mail that sounds really easy and it's like guaranteed as opposed to sending out appeal letters sometimes you don't know if you're going to get anything back yeah a little extra work I guess on the front end means you'll get 
some guaranteed money on. And it's end. fun to hang out with um, your fellow league volunteers because you know it's you can have wine and snack. You well, can, that's it's the best a, part. Yeah, it's yeah. an event. You can even make it a competition. So I like I'm all about games. So you could be, hey, I got in you know an extra two hundred dollars. Who's gonna be able to you know right. get more than that? So. <laughs> and then maybe you can get a prize for the person who gets the, brings in the most money that night gets oh a prize. Goodness. We got this. Um, another thing we did in the past is work with a local local radio station to auction off items with the local radio, selling stuff and having fun with their yeah. DJs. And oftentimes radio uh, stations want to work with organizations. There's a certain amount of time that they have to give to the community stuff. And so this could you know, be part of their quota that they need. And uh, it's just really great to have a, um, a close relationship with your local radio anyways. So that's all of our suggestions. And if you have any, we'd love to hear them. Um, So email us or uh, find us on Facebook or um, find us on Instagram. And we'd love to hear your ideas too. We just want to leave you with some parting words. Start with a goal, a plan. Bring a team together, have a budget. Just as Kim had said, you got to make sure you know exactly how much your fundraiser is going to cost. Roll up your sleeves and get to work making some relationships, identifying the people and bringing in the dough. And if your first attempt didn't work out as planned, try again. Make some tweaks, learn from your mistakes and do it again. Just do it better. This is Melissa Currents. And this is Amy Erstead. We ask, what would Alice Paul do? But it's more important what you're going to do. Do something great. Make it rain for your cause. Until next time.